Welcome to The Conversation at Airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On April 1st, 2015, I had a conversation with Andrea Jaramillo of TV Azteca in Veracruz. We covered a number of issues, including the adoption of having two people in the cockpit at all times, a rule that was adopted fairly quickly by many of the world's airlines after it was known that the co-pilot of the German Wings aircraft had locked out the captain and then deliberately crashed the aircraft. We also discuss what I believe are five key topics that the aviation community should address in the wake of the German Wings crash, as well as my ideas of what are the likely scenarios as to what happened to Malaysian Airlines Flight MH370. Mr. Kurtitz, thank you very much for being with us here in TV Azteca, Mexico. Well, thank you for having me. I think that the first question that we have to do and is necessary is, what is your analysis, your opinion, related with the aircraft of German Wings? My opinion is that the evidence suggests that the co-pilot deliberately flew the plane into the ground. Why he did that, that's something for psychologists and psychiatrists to answer. Okay, and related with this, I think that one important question too is, why can we see so recently a lot of airplanes accidents, for example, Malaysia Airlines, Air Asia, now German Wings, can we say that this is a relationship uh, between more airplanes in the, in the air, in the heaven, and the risk of something of it or something that we are not managing in a correct way? In my opinion, my opinion is based on the actual data. Uh, the management of aviation safety has actually gotten better. In the last 20 years, the number of flights and the number of aircraft have increased greatly, but the average number of serious accidents has either remained stable or has actually declined. Uh, the perception is that there's a problem because there have been a very few, very public, very high profile events, German wings, the two Malaysian crashes, and the crash in San Francisco in 2013. A lot of media coverage, but it's not necessarily a indication that safety is compromised or that safety is actually getting worse. I think it's getting better. In on this field, Mr. Cortes, uh, what level of risk occupy terrorism? That is something that we have to speak about it. It's something that uh, it will be will imp uh, will be more and more with the with the days. And what kind of measures have to uh, have we to take related with this phenomenon? The risk of terrorism, both from international terror, uh, people who will direct their attacks against many nations, and domestic terror incidents, that is, where you might have people within a particular country trying to attack aircraft, is actually higher than it's ever been. But the protections that are in place, from cockpit doors, to screening passengers, to identifying passengers, those protections are far better than they've been in a long time. And that's probably the reason why there have been very few successful terrorist accidents or terrorist incidents since September 2011, excuse me, September 2001. 2001, yes. And, but Mr. Curtis, we saw the German Wings accident. Why, if we have a horrible attack uh, like the um, uh, Twin Towers in 2001, why these kind of concepts that two people has to be in the cabin of the pilot were not considered before because we know that maybe the, the copilot has an emergency what this kind of, of points will be not con uh, was not considered before? It was actually considered before. That is, before what happened in France. 
One of the considerations is, what if one of the pilots becomes ill and is unable to respond? Well, in fact, although there have been many cases where pilots have fallen ill, heart attack, uh, and even psychological breakdowns in the cockpit, in every case, there has been enough in the way of resources to deal with the problem. What was never anticipated, and in fact, what you really can't prevent, is a person who knows the system, a person who has access to the system, using their knowledge to go around every protective measure that's there. In this case, there was a single pilot in the the cockpit. But if a pilot today wanted to crash an airplane, they could do so whether there's another pilot in the cockpit or if there's five people in the cockpit. The knowledge a pilot has is the knowledge that's necessary to fly safely and the knowledge necessary to crash. Okay, and now we can show that in Australia it's changing a little bit, these kind of measures. Uh, do you think that Lufthansa has to change it too? Because uh, I don't know if the, in the news we can show a little bit of controversy because Lufthansa said we will not change our measures of security in this way. Uh, do you, what, what do you think about it? Well, the context, I believe, of Lufthansa is the following. Aviation is an international enterprise, and any change that happens in order for it to be effective has to be done not just by one airline or by one country, but by many airlines in many countries. And this incident is a necessary wake-up call, a necessary warning that the industry has to sit down and figure out what's the best way to approach this. Now, in the first few days after this event, Many airlines, and including, I saw a report this day, the Minister of uh, Transport in Mexico, uh, have changed the policy saying there must be two people in the cockpit. For the short term, I think this is a wise move because we don't know if the person in France was just a single person doing this. There may be a conspiracy of pilots. There may be other pilots who might look at that example and decide, you know, I have problems too. Let me do something. In the short term, it's a good move to put those extra people in the cockpit. But there are bigger issues here, and that has to be discussed over a long period of time. One of the big issues is we put these measures in place for preventing terrorist accidents or terrorist incidents. Should there be some changes in security to make it less likely that a pilot can deliberately lock himself or herself in the cockpit and crash the plane? I'm imagining some ideas. I don't know if they are correct and you are the expert. Maybe in the future it's not possible to consider, uh, give some capacitation to passengers to try to resolve this kind of incidents? Well, that, that is not uh, something that only experts should consider. I think all ideas from all areas should be considered. And really, there is a problem here that goes beyond cockpit doors. In my own research, shortly after the crash in France... I asked myself, how many times have pilots deliberately crashed an airliner? And since uh, 1980, I actually found seven events, including the French event, where pilots successfully crashed the airplane deliberately, and one other event, which happened in the U.S. in 1994, where a pilot very nearly was able to take over an airplane and crash it. Most of these events happened before 9-11. Most of these events happened before 2001. So this isn't a question of the cockpit security. This is a question of what is it about pilots that may have to be looked at, either their medical situation, their psychological situation, what sort of extra tests or procedures 
may be necessary to find pilots who shouldn't be flying. Well, uh, Mr. Curtis, why airplanes? Uh, will airplanes continue to be the, the, the first weapon for terrorism? Airplanes will still be a very, very good weapon for terror because one of the reasons terrorists do what they do is to get the public's attention. And very few things in the modern era attracts as much attention as a plane crash, whether it's by an accident or by a terrorist or for some other reason. This event in France is an example. This is something which has been in every major news story for the last week. And because of the nature of it, it will be in the news for several more weeks and maybe several more months. Had this been a terrorist accident, or terrorist incident rather, the same thing would have happened. The entire world would have known about it. The entire world would be paying attention not just to the crash, but to the organization that caused the crash. So I think that regardless of what happens with the German Wings event, terrorism will still be a problem. Terrorists will still want to attack air airplanes and airports and airlines. Uh -huh. Okay, and in five points, if you can resume it, what are the measures in your consideration that we have to, to have in the future to prevent and try to not have these kind of accidents, airplane crashes? There are at least five things that should be done. The first thing that should be done is that the world's airlines and the nations that manage airlines, for example, the FAA and the equivalent organizations in Mexico and elsewhere, should sit down and figure out if something should be changed about how pilots are trained, how pilots are evaluated, and what sort of medical information they need from pilots. Associated with that is a change in privacy. That is, right now, uh, medical information is very private. Companies cannot ask pilots, what's your sickness, what's your mental illness? Perhaps those rules should be looked at to be changed when it comes to pilots. Third, the concept of an armored cockpit door to prevent outsiders from getting into the cockpit should be re-examined. Because we have, in this case, plus another case that happened in 2013, a pilot locked the other pilot out, and because they couldn't get access to the pilot, that pilot was able to crash the plane. Not just in France, but also it happened in, in Namibia in 2013. That's twice now, in less than two years. Definitely that should be changed. A fourth thing for the industry to review is what's expected of pilots. Do we expect the pilots to have complete control of the aircraft? so that um, something like this could happen, or should perhaps something should be looked at so that an outside force, perhaps air traffic control, can take over the aircraft and do something about it. And the fifth point is a small point, but I think it's very important. Right now we have the technology of the black boxes, the cockpit voice recorder and the flight data recorder. As we speak, the flight data recorder from the German wings crash hasn't been found. Perhaps some changes should be made so that this sort of information isn't just kept inside of a black box, but that it's broadcast out so that, so that if there is a crash, people on the ground will know where that plane was and what was happening in the plane. We won't have to wait weeks and months to find that out. So those are at least five things I think should be seriously considered in the near future. 
and they are really interesting. And you spoke uh, about it, uh, technology, and it's a uh, high technology that we have now. And finally, for that reason, I want to make this question, uh, Mr. Gorgeous, we have we have still an airplane that is disappear. Why, with this kind of technology, it's possible this? It's possible, and I think it goes back to my last point. The world's airlines and the governments that regulate those airlines should sit down and look at this general problem, not just with German wings, but also with MH370. There are technolo technological changes that have happened in the last 10 to 15 years that make it very easy to not only stream data from the black boxes constantly to the ground, but to also to locate every airplane flying at every minute of every flight so that you won't have a missing airplane like we have with MH370. The only question is, what rules should be done or what rules should be changed so that this is made possible? And how should the technology be managed so that every airliner would have this technology put onto it at some point in the future? Again, this is not something that an individual airline should do because in order to be effective, all the airlines have to do it. Okay, and what is your opinion related with this airplane? It's disappeared, something kidnapped a Malaysian airplane or it crashed? Well, the data that's available from the airplane is very small. For instance, no piece of wreckage from the airplane has been found. No bodies, uh, no black boxes, nothing. The location of the aircraft isn't known. Right now, the Australian government is searching an area of the ocean, the Indian Ocean, that's roughly the size of the country of Norway, an area of the ocean that has never been thoroughly explored before. And they've been doing so for nearly a year. And in a month or two, the money for the search will run out. So in May, the governments that are involved in the search will have to make a decision. Do we continue to spend money to find this airplane, or do we abandon the search? Well, if the search is abandoned, all we'll have is the information that's now available. And based on that very small amount of information, I think there are four likely scenarios. The first, a hijacking. The second, a hijacking, but not by an outsider, not by a terrorist, but by one of the crew members, either the cabin crew or the flight crew. Mm -hmm. Third, it's possible that the airplane experienced massive, unprecedented system failures where the crew had to take heroic and creative measures to keep the airplane flying. And the measures they took put the aircraft on a path, perhaps to safety, but for some reason, they never landed the airplane. And the fourth reason, which I think might be related to the others, the flight crew was either unwilling or unable to make any changes to the airplane. And once it was going in a particular direction, it kept flying until the fuel ran out. Now, they could be unwilling to do so because it was a hijacking or the crew took over the airplane. Or they could be unwilling because they were thinking, this is the right thing to do. For whatever reason, they thought flying was, in that direction, was the correct thing to do. And unable to do so, I think that would happen if the pilots were incapacitated. For example, if the air uh, escaped from the aircraft and they were unconscious. Okay. Thank you very much, Mr. Curtis, for this time. And it's a really interesting point of view because I think that, okay, the final question, and it's important, is have we do to have panic to be in an airplane in the actual uh, circumstances because I'm one of the passengers that is afraid when I'm in an airplane. It's something that 
I have to increment myself. Well, having anxiety about flying is very common. Myself, I'm an engineer who's designed airplanes. I've even flown airplanes myself. And sometimes I don't like being a passenger because, in my own case, I don't know what's going on. I don't have full information about what's going on around me. And so I have to deal with anxiety sometimes. Each passenger who has issues with flying has to deal with it in their own way. And it's not enough for me to say, oh, the likelihood of a crash is very low, flying is very safe. That's not the issue. Uh, most people who have fears of flying, it's not about crashing, it's not about terrorism, it's about maybe other things. Maybe you have a fear of being in an enclosed space. Maybe you have an aversion to losing control. Maybe you just don't like to sit next to people very closely for several hours. There could be many things that causes someone to be anxious. And really, I have no real simple solution except that one should look at your own situation and perhaps reach out for uh, professional help if need be to understand why you have these fears and how you can overcome them. Yes, that's true. Thank you very much, Mr. Gorgeous, for your time and for being with us here in TV Azteca Veracruz. It's great to contact you, and I hope that will be possible again. I hope so, too. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> okay. Can you please uh, uh, give me the favor to say thank you to TV Azteca Veracruz? Uh, thank you, TV Azteca Veracruz, for this opportunity. Okay. Thank you very much. All Mr. right. You're Gorgeous. welcome. For more information on aviation safety and security, please visit airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.